work at the Etihad campus. Uh, for me sins, many, many years ago, I was a, a professional footballer. Uh, very, very fortunate enough to uh, to play with Manchester United as a youngster and then uh, didn't, quite, didn't quite work out with United, ended up going to, uh, to Exeter City. And uh, this particular book that we're going to talk about today, Paddy, is, is sort of, you know, it's, it's about an ex-teammate of mine it's, and it's called Forever Young and it was written by Oliver Kay. And tell us what Forever Young's about, because it was certainly one of the best football books I've read over the last five years. Well, a little bit of background, Paddy, to it. Um, what happened was, a few years ago now, I think Oliver had contacted me in relation to asking for some insight and feedback around uh, Ryan Giggs's 25th anniversary uh, of, his, of making his debut against Everton. So, so Oliver came to the place of work where I was at at the time and he started to ask some questions and he got to the end of, of that little interview and said to me, you know, he was a good player, Ryan, wasn't he? I said, oh, fantastic. I said, but he was another good lad as well at the time. So I think Oliver said, like, all right, who's that? He said, oh, it's a lad called Adrian Doherty. So he said, all right, okay. And, and, and Oliver being the sort of the, the, uh, the brilliant journalist that, that he is, that sort of started him thinking about, you know, I wanted to do a little bit more research about this lad. And, and anyway, he contacted me again a few years later you know, and said, like, can I, can I have another chat about about what we spoke about um, in, in the original interview? And and he started to put some notes together about Adrian and and uh, just to, just talking about his, his incredible life, really, that, that he had. And, and he's a, a player, really, Paddy, that no one's really heard very much about. And, uh, you know, when he was a young kid, 15, 16, a lot of the, the experts who watched the youth teams at United, you know, used to say that he was as good as Ryan Giggs, if not better. And, uh, you know, and, and that was the sort of the journey of this unbelievably beautifully crafted tale that, that Oliver Kay, you know, wrote, wrote in a biography. And I suppose, really, I suppose the point we have to note as well is that tragically, Adrian Doherty died in Amsterdam, didn't he, some years ago? Having not made the grade because of an injury. Yeah, what, what happened to Aidy was he, you know, he was a, a, a very precocious youngster, and he was set for the first team around sixteen years old. There was a headline like um, uh, "Boy Wonder Standing By," and uh, you know he got he got to the fringes of the first team at a relatively young age, and and uh, like you say, Paddy, unfortunately, like a lot of players, he he picked up a bad knee injury and. And that that kind of led him to you know a real difficult rehabilitation period, and unfortunately he couldn't quite get back to fitness and uh, challenge for a first team place. And and I think one of the things that was kind of against him at the time is you have this this group of cropper players coming through called the class of '92. So so while Aidy was trying to to get his fitness back, you know lads like Gary Neville, Beckham, you know, Giggsy. Um, uh, Skulls, but yeah, they, they they were kind of overtaking him, so it, it put him in a real difficult situation. But 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 he was a you know AD, like I say, he was he's an absolutely fantastic story. You know, just an absolute character, not your stereotypical traditional footballer, as it were. He was he loved philosophy. He loved Bob Dylan. Um, <laughs> one of the stories that that Ollie t tells brilliantly is. 
we used to get two complimentary tickets for matches back then, you know, to go and watch the first team on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, Aidy had different uh, different views on what he wanted to do, and he used to pass his tickets on, and he'd go and busk in Manchester City Centre and play Bob Dylan tracks with his guitar. So you think to yourself, you know, imagine like a young up and coming style at these days, you know, going into the middle of Manchester and and playing the times they are a change and like a Rolling Stone and and all sort of tracks like that, just just completely unheard of, but. But a beautiful, free-spirited person. Um, some great tales about. He's always forgetting his blazer or his club tie, and he used to turn up to training with with his boots in a carrier bag. Uh, he used to he used to turn up with shoes with no laces in. But you know, incredibly, Bob Hardy when he used to get on the the pitch, and, and you know, his his playing ability was it was fri- frighteningly good, frighteningly good, and. So that you know, in, in Oliver's tale, it's such a such a, a a lot of stories that make you smile. But but like you say, on the on the other side, later on down his his life, you know, very tragic as well. There's not very much footage of him exists of him actually playing, and I suppose that's really interesting. Insofar as these days, every single youth team game, every single underage game will be filmed. They'll be wearing those wee GPS boob tubes, so you'd have his heat map, and everything would be, you know. So if if he did fall through the cracks, we would have some record of him. Yet sure. all you really see is of him playing for Derry City in a yeah. in a milk cup game, and there's a and there's yeah. there's very little uh, United footage left. Yeah, that's absolutely spot on. I think. Was he was he a free? What was that sort of free spirit? Whenever you do what little you do see of him, he seems to be an amazingly free spirited player. He can move off both feet. He can't. He's not constrained as a winger. He he floats all over the place. Was that what he was like? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think he's he was very quick. He was very skillful. He had plenty of tricks. And but one of the things, Paddy, that stood out most for myself was he was a very courageous little footballer. And he no matter no matter how many times he was getting smacked by the fullback or some late tackles going in, I mean, he he always wanted the ball. He always yeah. showed for the ball again and. You know, he, he had a he had a big heart for a small lad because he's only it's only small really in relation to his physique. He was only a thin lad, you know, quite a quite a quite a pasty face, like very pale freckles and. But like you say, when he got that football at his feet, he was he he was special. He was special, and unfortunately, it didn't it didn't quite it didn't quite go his way. Why do you think he wanted to play football if he wasn't if he didn't have that kind of killer instinct that you know that mm-hmm. that class of ninety two even the players who you know who made the most of themselves who probably weren't as as skillful as as their contemporaries but who made it really had the killer instinct didn't they? Yeah. Do you think he just didn't want it enough, or he just wasn't wired that way? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people ask me, Paddy, over the years about you know would would. Would Adrian have made like 600, 700 appearances like some of these lads did in the class of '92? And and I think I always I always sort of respond to that and say, well, you never knew what he was going to do from one week to the next. He, it, it, it was incredible that at 17 years old, Sir Alex Ferguson offered him a five-year contract, which was unprecedented at the time because you know a lot of the young players there were getting offered one and two-year deals, you know, just to just to take them through to 1819. And an AD said to Sir Alex, "I think I'll just take two if that's all right, because I don't know what I'm going to be doing around my twenties, so I'm not sure." And you know, you, you think of that sort of. Right? I think, I think you, you know, you, you'd be grabbing the pen and saying, five year deal at Man United. Well, give us the contract here." But 
Well, that's that's the type of lad he was. He was like sometimes like a ghost at the time. You'd see him training, and then he'd, he'd drift away. And you know, he he, he stayed in Diggs Paddy because obviously he was he was over from Straban, from, from Ireland, yeah. yeah, from from Straban. And so I think I think he like a lot of players that homesickness element. I think he found challenging. And uh, you know, it, you go you go back into those sort of times, and the culture was very different back then. A lot of initiation things, and a lot of you know, a lot of you, we talk about like brutal masculine environments. It, it certainly was back then. So I don't know whether that fitted in in Aidy's mantra or not. You know, but it, it didn't because he he liked philosophy, he liked theology. He read a lot of, but he was a voracious reader. He, he like I say, he played a lot of music, and he had lots of different components to his identity. So I think, like you said, Paddy, I think to be hundred percent, would he would he have made five hundred, six hundred appearances? I think we we could never know that. We could never answer that. You know, AD he had a really bad knee injury, unfortunately, a couple of times to come back from this, and it it just wasn't it just wasn't happening for him, unfortunately. So so it, it was like he's like one of these players that at the time you just get cut adrift. I think it might be different now because obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of agents in the game that can maybe look after you. You sort of your well-being, but it just seems to one minute he was there at United, and what, and one minute he was told, he, you know, we're not get, we're not renewing your contract, and he kind of just sort of drifted away from the club, really. And I think he tried to get his career going. I think he went to Derry City for a little bit to try and get his playing career resurrected, but it seemed to be and the, the motivation seemed to dwindle. I think once you have that that impactful disappointment, I think that after that is case of just sort of. You know, make, making ends meet. Really, he went through a series of jobs. He was working in a chocolate factory. He was working as a porter at a hotel, and he, he ended up. I think it was an agency party that that got him a job in Holland, uh, at the Hague, uh, working in a furniture store. So he, I think he went over there for a spell, and uh, tragically, I think it was early one morning. He was either he was either coming away from a night shift or going to start an early shift, and he he slipped and fell into a canal. And, and the tragedy was, Aidy was a non-swimmer, so he got into difficulty. Uh, he, he got he got pulled out of the canal. I think you know quite a bit of time later, and you know sadly he was in a coma. He got rushed into hospital, and and he was on a he was on a ventilator. I think for about a month or so before he died, which was a a day before his twenty seventh birthday. So a, a, a real real sad end to to, to something that. You know, ten years prior was was looking very special. And I suppose the, the other thing was like with SELs and knee injuries and particularly stuff around the the knee. Now players get through those injuries because of the the, the benefits of modern surgeries. Very few people end careers with bad knee injuries now. So that, that's a that's a real kind of irony or tragedy, isn't it? Absolutely. Like like you say, buddy. I think the science is, is and the uh, the rehab and the and the operations that can be done these days are. Uh, they, they've they've advanced at a rate of knots, and like say, if he'd have picked up that injury in the modern climate, in the modern day, you know, there may have been a good opportunity for him to come back a hundred percent from that. So, so like, unfortunately, at the time, you know, you you, you go through your strength programs and you and you you training to get back to fitness, but I think once you've had a a serious injury like he had, and because because his game was based on pace and trickery, I think he found it sort of extra difficult to come back and. And you know certainly fight for for a first team squad place at, at the most, but you know obviously the ideal was to try and get in the first team. But you know as as he alluded to early on in the podcast, I think 
the class of 92 has sort of like come past him then and he, and he found it doubly difficult to, to get back in. So, so unfortunately, yeah, he got cut adrift and, and that was that. And what do you think is so good about the book, About certainly about how Oliver writes it? Yeah, I think I think what particularly stands out for me is the amount of research that's gone into it. You know, Oliver's managed to speak to a sort of range of people, family members. Um, he, he caught up with ex-players, Walter Gary Neville, Ryan Giggs, Robbie Savage, Sir Alex Ferguson, Eric Harrison, who was alive at the time. And so all these different sort of, these different characters in Adrian's story, as it were, you know, he, he brings them to light in a fantastic way. And he, he does an absolutely brilliant job of, of bringing Adrian to, to sort of light as well, you know, and, and it's certainly, I think a lot of these biographies that are written, you kind of sort of question whether that really happened or not, or that might have been, you know, you've added pounds and pence onto that. Well, I think Oliver does a particularly good job in in sort of selling the person that, that he really was, which is, you know, a, a free-spirited, special, charismatic, interesting character, you know, that, that, that wouldn't stereotypically be associated with that world of professional football. Thank you.